Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Um, Today we're delighted to be um, joined by a friend of ours, uh, Penny, uh, who's also known as Recovery Buddha. Now, Penny and I met at She Recovers in LA um, completely by chance. Um, I was with a friend of a friend, so I was just briefly, our friend Sarah got me in touch with a a woman called Brandy because my sleeping arrangements had fallen through. Brandy, who's also known as Sober as Shit, she has a podcast which is great as well. It's friends with Penny and so we ended up going to the Hollywood sign together. We'd never met and we just had the best time and she is a very, very special soul. So I knew that her and Kate would have some kind a common ground in terms of uh, their lives as mums so it's really nice to sort of bring them together and I know that it's going to be a really kind of special episode. Um, so before we start we're just going to check in and say hi. So hi Penny, how are you? Hi Mandy, great, thank you so much. It's so great to be here and to see you in, in the flesh even though we're sort of not in the flesh. <laughs> I know, I know we've been doing little We'd be doing little squeals at each other over the screen. And Kate, how's it going? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Not mind being sarcastic. No, I'm all right, actually. Um, well, I'm very, very excited to speak to Penny today because we've connected through Mandy and then the, the uh, sort of talking about parenting as well. So... Um, I'm I'm really really excited to talk talk to you today, Penny. And you know, all I can say is I'm I'm in the throes of it. You know, I'm not in a like oh you know I'm great and this is all lovely. Um, and I'm not in a place where I can particularly reflect and go oh right I've got lots of kind of nuggets of kind of things that I can pull out and pretend that I kind of know anything. I'm right in the middle of the shit. So that's where I'm at. Oh. <laughs> so um, what about you, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm good, you know, got a bit of a headache, a bit <laughs> tired. No, I'm actually, um, I'm actually pretty good. Um, I just went for a run, um, my first run since November. Um, like it wasn't a run. I mean, I like in total ran for six minutes and the rest was walking. But like I've done a, a lot of work around this problem I had with running and I kind of I have got a bit of space to think at the moment and um you know I got injured a lot of times and I had a lot of stuff built up about why I didn't want to run and I thought I just took it off the table and then kind of realized that if I took my ego out and took my kind of the way I used to think about running and and all the other stuff that was packaged into this kind of idea of weight loss and body shame and you know me not being good at exercise just loads of stuff there was actually a huge big story about me running um and so I kind of got rid of all that baggage and just went right I'm gonna start again you know like I've never run before Mm, and um my six my six minutes were Mm. actually quite hard but yeah but you just Um, reminded me of this thing I read I read on I think it's in the it's in the little Buddha's book of loving yourself I think, or it might have been on Instagram, and and it was give yourself permission to be a beginner again. It was yeah. something like that, like every day give yourself permission to start at the beginning. Like, why not? Yeah, well, there's loads of crossover with recovery mm. because it's like, 
you know, just take it back to basics, you know, get rid of all the bullshit and just do like one day at a time, just sort of do as much as I can, be very kind to myself, you know, so it's been, a, and also Amanda Grace, who's a good friend of ours, um, she's been doing some videos about um, her new coaching program called Tendering. And she's, she was talking about truth, you know, what is truth like, and, and fact, and what are the stories we tell ourselves about things? And it's such an interesting way to look at things. It's like, is this actually fact? Like, you know, am I unable to exercise? Am I like, you know, a terrible person? Am I overweight? Am I, you know, useless, essentially, because of all these, these things I've decided or are these just stories that I've told myself about this situation Mm. and if I unpack all that and look at the truth it's like all I can do is try like I'm you know because I've been injured so many times I might get injured again and I might not be able to run but the only way I'll know is if I just go out and do it so I'm feeling a bit like power to me today (laughs) (laughs) I'm patting myself on the back and considering that I had quite a hardcore weekend which Mm. I won't go into it's very emotionally kind of charged um Mm. I literally got back and I went straight to bed and you know and I I feel really good that I kind of managed all that emotional Mm. strain so I'm working working my uh toolkit you know so Mm. yeah I feel pretty good about that so Penny um We'd really like to know a little bit about your sobriety journey and then also kind of if you could tell us a bit about the community that you created. So, um, yeah, I mean, as much as you want to say, if you could tell us a little bit about your decision to go alcohol free. Oh, thanks, Mandy. Thanks, Kate, so much. It's (laughs) fantastic. Um, Well, I guess the journey started probably about 13 years ago and um like many of us I guess my life had become unmanageable in so many different areas and to start with I don't think it was so much of my own choice it and it I kind of was pushed through my GP into seeing a therapist and then seeing the therapist and into rehab and um Prior to all of that, though, I had always been a bit of a drinker, always self-medicated feelings, and um, I guess had quite a deep grief set in because my mum had passed away in 2004, and we were super close, and that was just shattering. So I started to drink a lot more. And by the time I got myself into the GPs with a great case of depression and grief and um, alcoholism, it was just time to see someone about it and go in and, and have a look at some of this stuff. So that was the start of my sobriety journey. But the, the funny thing was... Um, I felt like I was doing it for other people. I felt like I was doing it for my family more than I was for me. And I guess I didn't really understand what I understand today in terms of 
recovery and sobriety. And I guess it was also different back then, even though it was only 13 years ago, there weren't all of these online groups and Mm. there wasn't the presence and um, the, I guess, just just people that that were there. It was a really isolating journey at the time to go through, whereas now I'm finding there's so much more connection, there's so much more healing through beautiful friendships and we're connected all over the world like mm. we are right now. Yeah, and, right. and there's so much healing in that and that for me is absolutely paramount and I needed that because I had so much shame and so much guilt and anyway just yeah it was just it was tough and um so after after that rehab stay I managed to stay sober for about two and a half years but I wasn't emotionally sober I wasn't drinking but emotionally I was still a mess and I guess I probably hit a real emotional rock bottom after that at about that stage and um ended up going back to to drinking again um to self-medicate because i was i felt suicidal i was depressed i was anxious i was having panic attacks um i wasn't eating well sleeping well there were so many things going on um my husband and I have a beautiful relationship but we were working through some stuff and at that stage my daughter hadn't been diagnosed with autism um we were still going through the throes of well what's going on here and the kids were also quite little and just not having processed any of that grief and and that pain I guess just totally led to to using again and then I had four years clean and sober and then I thought wow I'm doing so well at this I can go out and moderate (laughs) I think a lot of us have been down that path yeah oh yes yeah (laughs) yes so and of course I just wanted more I mean this is a, a, a disease or a condition whatever you want to call it of wanting more and um I found myself just getting really frustrated and really angry and even more depressed and then one day I just was crying into my coffee on a Saturday morning on the front porch and I said that's it that's enough and that was three years and seven months ago oh well Well done done. well done and I haven't so what yeah what's different this time yeah what are you gonna gonna say say Yeah. yeah Yeah, different this time. Well, definitely the connection and the online groups and the podcasts and all of those wonderful things that that social media, I guess, can offer us. I just didn't have access to any of that before and I didn't look at it, look at it or look for it. But this time it was just, no, I, I'd been to 12-step meetings. I, I still hold them true to my foundation of sobriety. However, it's not something I particularly enjoyed going to do, mm. um, but I still went. But there was I, I just needed a spiritual connection. I needed people. Um, I guess also when you have a child who has special needs, you don't go out a lot. 
Mm. Um, you're a little bit restricted at times and you don't socialise a lot with other people. And when you do, yeah. you're like, well, I don't know what to say because it's really difficult and now I'm just going to moan about how difficult it is. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like, well, I'm either going to, well, I'm going to talk about being sober to people who don't get it or talk about my autistic child to people who don't get it and it's all a bit shit. I don't know. So you need yeah, those communities is- where you where you can connect. Yeah, and it's it was just a sense of belonging and I yeah. guess of that unconditional love where you don't feel like you have to be anybody but yourself and mm-hmm. you can be authentically you and you're just accepted. There's no judgment. And for me that was huge. And so which, so- um, which groups, you know, I mean, obviously we met through She Recovers, so do you, is that one of the groups that helped you the most or what, what else helped you at the beginning to kind of, well, the, you know, the last time when it really stuck? Yeah. To start with, I started Googling and um, I found Recovery Elevator with Paul, Paul Churchill, who mm-hmm. is just amazing, and I found the Share, S-H-A-I-R podcast. The group has now changed the name. Um, but I joined that group as well and listened to the associated podcasts with each group. And it was fantastic. Um, I was listening to all of these people talk and they were my, it was my story as well. Mm. And I'm thinking, my gosh, they can just talk about this. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's, mm. And they had really, I guess, worked through a lot of those things. But it was just beautiful being able to hear people talk about their stories in such mm. a way that it's just so healing and just so empowering and I thought I want to be able to do that yeah and and you um I'm not saying you you what you do is called recovery buddha what what's the buddha yeah. reference how does that fit that's interesting because some people that join think oh it's a buddhist group mm. it's it's not associated with buddhist religion but it, we do practice, I guess, the principles of compassion and loving kindness in terms of um, the way and the energy and the intention, I guess, behind the group. Um, that was really important. But the Buddha stands for awakening. So I was trying to, I, at the time, think of an, a name that that could um, somehow reflect our own awakening in recovery. Oh, that's beautiful. And, Thank you. So recovery Buddha just kind of came and I, I, yeah, and I've always had an affinity with Buddhas. My mum, I mean, I think I was about eight when she bought me my first little one and Mm. (laughs) had quite an eclectic upbringing with both the the religious side of things and going to church at times, but not all the time, but also I guess going into ashrams when I was 12 with my mum and Mm. she was, as a spiritual person, clairvoyant and a teacher of spiritual ways. So I felt really blessed having her as my foundation with with all of these things. Hmm. So I guess for you in that, that kind of recovery process, having that connection, like you say, like a spiritual connection, hmm. is, it, is, is that an important part of that for you? Is that... Is like that a core part of how you still are, or? Yeah, it, it is. It really is, Kate. It's um, it's something that's always been there ever since I was a little girl, mm. and I've always seen things, or had. It, it's really strange when the first 
thing I kind of saw that was, I guess, a really weird thing <laughs> was a vision that I had when I was about five years old and I couldn't explain it. There was no way I could explain it. And it was this this woman sort of form in, in my window in my bedroom and I ran out, I grabbed my mother and father and came back and they couldn't see it, but I was standing there and I could still see it. So it was yeah. some really weird shit. Like <laughs> stuff I just could not explain, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I guess it just kind of developed from there and it's always been important to me. It's all, I've, I've always needed, I guess, to have that sense of something greater than myself and yeah. it's like that, I guess, is my H, HP and yeah. I yeah, yeah. look to that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I see you often with crystals as well. So that's, I mean, what's in your self-care kind of toolkit? Because I know you are a sort of spiritual being. So there's that that higher power or that connection. I've seen you yeah. with crystals. So that's something else that you're, you feel connected to. Mm. Yes. Oh, I, I love crystals. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have a collection. Mm. Oh dear, and of course I inherited all my mum's when she when she passed. So we have quite a few of them at home. But I honestly, I just I love them. The energy, the different energies that they that they bring. Um, I also use them in my work with my clients, uh, and I have a massive big rose quartz heart in my office so that they can come in and often um because i see my mostly young people and adolescents they will pick it up and hold it oh, nice. and it's it's they it, it's the mindfulness associated with the coolness and the heaviness of it but also the energy of it and it just seems to just calm them right down really just calming so definitely crystals and aromatherapy I think is amazing I've always got something diffusing um in my office it's like my morning routine is I'll get into work um and put the diffuser on straight away and so depending on what I'm doing I think it sets the um it claims the space somehow because I've just bought a diffuser. I love it. And I've got all the different scents. And, for you know, I'm using quite a lot of uplifting in, in the family room. Because um, there's a lot of stuff going on in our family. So I'm doing very uh, soothing but uplifting things like, uh, you know, grapefruit and some sweet orange and, you know, some geranium. Oh, and when I put it on, I feel like I I claim the space somehow. Not not for me, but I set I set the space for mm. what 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 the intention is so I, I'm just discovering that in a moment so sorry anyway back to you <laughs> yeah no I, no I find that with music as well I, I set you know sometimes like in the morning you know I love that on a Sunday morning when you kind of set the the tone of the the setting mm. you know and it can have such a massive effect on the kids because they'll like run in sort of being hectic and then it'll just be like oh <laughs> and then it's like you know they just I was listening to Mozart Bit yeah, not quite. Yeah. But bit bit of jazz maybe, or like. But I, I really like that sort of idea of setting mm, the space because okay. you know it is giving an intention of the feelings that you want to feel, which is really nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It it really is grounding. It's grounding for me as well, and it sounds like it's grounding for you too. And I think we need that. Mm. I think we're a sensitive lot. Yes, I've <laughs> had. Um, these addiction issues and that's something that I'm figuring out and finding out 
more and more. Um, I just don't like crowds, you know. I, I mm. kind of really like having a controlled, not a controlled space, but a space that is more peaceful and calm mm. and quiet. And I'm, I'm finding, even though it's taken quite a few years to get there, I'm finding what makes me tick now. And before I didn't have the space to do that because I'd always be going straight to the alcohol. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's so, you know, we talk a lot about self-care, don't we, on on this, and that, yeah. that's figured massively in my journey. So I could attack what was going on in a, in a mental way, try and understand it. But it's almost like, you know, what you focus on grows. As soon as I was starting to work on what made me feel better and feel good, that all just started happening. And it was like, oh, okay, you know, that is that. I, I realised I, I needed that. I called it the sober bubble. It's like... I need to be in that bubble and I do and that that's it I can't compromise on that I can come out for a bit but then I need to go back in my, my little bubble that's got yeah. glitter in it <laughs> and so and I think you just I don't think that that was so much of a conversation I think when I certainly started on the journey which was about six and a half years seven years ago it, it wasn't really part of of the conversation so much so that's really grown like in mental health circles say mm. for like blurt foundation we have here which is an amazing charity that's all about the self-care and how it relates to depression and then obviously within the sober community that's just you know really taken off as oh. the toolkit you know absolutely it's so amazing because we've punished ourselves in so many ways for so many years and we have to learn mm. i guess how to self-care again um yeah i mean i think we're, we're not so bad as kids sometimes being able to do it it can just come natural through play but i think we can lose that as adults when there's just so much going on and mm. it means we have to do it with a lot more intention yeah. Yeah. and intentionality hmm. yeah. so i see that you you also um we share a love of mandela coloring i've seen you doing oh. that as well <laughs> but it's great because these are the the practices that mm. keep you know you know those mindful kind of practices that that center in give us some brain quiet i guess um yeah. what other things do you, do you do to kind of just give yourself i don't know joy or peace i guess uh look it would have to be something that's creative so i love doing things like knitting and crocheting. I taught myself how to crochet on YouTube. It was well fantastic. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, I have to go back and check it out before I start a new project because I forget a bit. But, um, oh, look, it's just those sorts of things and collaging, uh, painting, art. I love sewing. Um, the, <laughs> the first two and a half years that I was sober, I set up, a vintage clothing company where I would I bought vintage clothes and then I would embellish them with lots of vintage laces and ribbons and bows oh, and beautiful. this kind of thing and mm. beading and I just loved it. So it would have to be something creative, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Mm. So that's that kind of I can get a bit lost in that and I can actually zone out and become a bit detached. So that can get a bit addictive sometimes too. <laughs> so I need to just watch that. <laughs> so, um, so they say, mum, mum, mum. <laughs> do you know one of the things that I really um, 
really excited to talk to you about um and there's the one of the ways we've connected and it you know goes back to it's a perfect link you know to parenting because with you know what's going on with with my family at the moment and looking at a child with um additional needs who's struggling in the mainstream school system and and just what sort of the impact that has on the family and our well-being and you know we connected and and the word resilience came up which which again when I was looking around the internet I found a lot of negative things in a way that I did when I looked at sobriety a few years back it was all lots of scary websites and language that I scared the bejesus out of me and I found this with this and then you I think was it you who set up the the resilience mamas with resilience was that for she recovers um, but Peyton and Peyton, set it up. yeah um, okay I think because she her son is Peyton, also yeah. on mm. the spectrum and um then I think she put Laura and myself in there to do something admin or something like that but yeah, yeah. so when I saw resilience I just thought god that's it because this is what you know so I, I'm interested to talk to you about you know that experience how it impacts on your recovery um yeah and, and what the what the tools are you know and I'm asking really for me yes. <laughs> That's for anyone listening oh, I'm learning yeah. what the tools are let me tell you it's, you know I think that's probably been my greatest challenge in many ways I think my daughter is my greatest teacher she is amazing and wonderful and creative and so beautiful uh, it's not easy though. Our whole household is has is changed because we have a child with with special needs, and that's no different from any other family that's in the same situation, I guess. Um, but in terms of sobriety, yeah, it, it's really tough. Some days you just feel like either screaming and say, saying, "Oh fuck, this is just too hard," and running away from home yourself. Um, or sitting in the car crying, which I've done plenty of times. Yeah, me <laughs> too. Having a tantrum mm. with my husband inside. Hands up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, hands up. But um, <laughs> look, I don't know. I think in terms of self-care around those things, it's actually being able to step back. I think it's being able to step back and take a breath and a pause and try and respond before reacting. Because as mums, gosh, you know, we get so tired with working and everything else that we have to do. And I know I can come home and be really impatient and really grumpy and really short and tired and say things I shouldn't say and, you know, all of those kinds of things and yell at times. And and then, you, then I feel like the worst mum in the world. And I guess having the other layer of, what I do for a living makes it even a bit more confronting because I kind of think, well, I should be knowing, I should know better than to say these things. But you just, oh, God, you just, you can't help it. You just get carried away with those emotions at the time. So for me, I've found knowing when I really need to step back, knowing when I'm just reaching that point where I'm feeling like I'm underwater and uh, I'll just go into my room and close the door uh, or I'll play with the dog um, or I'll take myself out for a walk or just go and grab a coffee for half an hour and then come back um, or 
do something creative. Mm. And if she wants to be involved with that, she can join in with that. Mm. Mm. And do you find that even if you're in that sort of crisis parenting moment where you think, right, well, I really should be, this should be a discipline matter here and and, and the rest of it, do you still then just go, actually, I'm not going to do this right now. I'm going to take myself off. I'm just going to dial it down, manage my own state and then go back into this conversation. How do you manage those sort of crisis moments? Yeah, sometimes I can do that. Other times I will try and push through if I have a particular agenda and something that I need to do. And even though I'm feeling like I just want to scream <laughs> or mm. cry, um, I'll I'll just push through and do it because I know it's actually better for her. Mm. We do it that Can you give way. me an example just to sort of frame it as something that yeah. might happen? Mm. Hair washing. Washing hair is a big one in our household for my daughter. Um, she has really acute tactile sensitivity, particularly with hair, and when it needs to be done, it needs to be done. Like, you know, the longest she's gone is two weeks without washing her hair, and I can't stand it. I want to do mm. it every couple days Mm. Um, but sometimes the the struggle and the battle is not worth it honestly I swear to god there were some days I thought the police were going to turn up because of her screaming (laughs) I mean I'm sure they could hear her from across the river or on the other side of Sydney yeah she honestly it's like she's being murdered when I when I try to wash her hair so if we get through it it's a good day Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, we, we, we try and aim for at least twice a week. Yeah. Um, that's really still a bit tricky. Um, but we're getting there. We're a work in progress. But that's just yeah. one example. Right. Yeah. Okay. But does really... she go to school? She, she in does school? In mainstream school, which mm, is great. great. Um, but, you know, it's even showers used to be a daily dilemma. It would take us maybe an hour to two hours to get her into the shower because she really mm. didn't want to do it. Mm. Um, but she's really enjoying baths and things like that now, which is great, and she'll go and do that on her own. We have to do the taps and the hot and cold. But, look, she's 16 now and she's not little. Um, and I guess, you know, that's one of the hard things too that – you're working towards independence um, or we're working towards independence with her. So we work with a psychologist and um, we're starting to hopefully soon introduce a support worker who can maybe take her out for, I think we've been allocated maybe five hours a week. So if that was just an hour a day, a weekday or an outing on the weekend that would be respite for us mm. that would be yeah I was going to say you need respite don't you this is what's coming up for us at the moment is part of that yeah. it's like you can have self-care you can give each other a break but actually sometimes you need a break yourselves together because otherwise yeah. the you know your relationship is under a lot of strain isn't it so um one, one thing you said I find interesting um and I'll talk about myself here, um, but I we had a family bereavement last year because, you know, you were talking about the, the grief. And I found that I had a bit of, 
processing and it, it seemed to take me ages to catch up to where we are almost as a family and it and it change and it changing so much and trying to get the ad adequate support in place seems to take ages but I could only explain it as a kind of a bereavement as well like I was grieving what I thought was what my family looked what what it what my family was as to as it is and that was really painful because I had a lot of shame I had like what have I done wrong why didn't I catch this earlier why how uh, and then I felt like and I, as soon as someone said the word respite to me I was like oh god I don't have to feel guilty because before that I was just like I just want to be left alone and I just want this to stop and I want I don't know do you know and and it was like oh support respite a break uh self-care yeah. oh you know as soon as you and then and also yeah the the, the stuff that like I said the sort of almost grieving what you thought it should look like yeah so that, that was tough it's really tough and um i find i find myself going through that too kate i really mm. do like i look at friends kids who are a lot more advanced for for their like than my daughter is at that age and um, yeah, I just, I have sat there and cried bucket loads of tears, just, just wondering how things could or would have been different had she had been, I guess the, the term is neurotypical these yeah. days. Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's hard. And then I feel like actually even with all of the kids, like through, through the addiction issues and through other things, um, I've just, I, I still, I guess, hold guilt, maybe not so much shame. I've been able to forgive myself a little bit, but just for not being a better mum, not being present, not being there as often as I could have been, um, remembering things and thinking maybe things would be different for them um, with some of the trauma that they've seen and that they've had to go through themselves. And also I see how my other two children, who are older than my youngest on the spectrum and with cognitive delay, I, I look at them and I see how much this has impacted them and how... There are times when they're really anxious and they get sad and they get depressed and they get frustrated and they get angry. And like us, they have no choice either. Mm. None of us have any choice yeah. in this. Just have to survive. Each day is a day of survival yeah. and each day is a day of not knowing what's coming. Yeah, so, yeah, it's that's the fact, yeah, managing the family culture because we have a, a younger daughter and that's trying to explain that to her of what you know how, how things and you just made me um think about you know that that just i don't know there's two things the sort of self-compassion mm. that is so vital in the recovery journey and i think as a parent when you're facing neurotypical uh neurodiverse and and mm. getting up to speed with it and trying to cope with it i think there's that and what is it someone i saw another great quote that said something like it might even be you um it, it's always said it takes a village to raise a child 
it takes an autistic child to raise a village you know and people who are not who are neurodiverse and 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 this sort of acceptance of diversity has a lot to it's very humbling it Mm. it, you know your heart breaks Mm. open doesn't it you have to love and accept yourself and them and the difficulties and the shoulds you know and there's like you said there's such a lot of beauty and learning in that in that difficulty <laughs> i'm trying to say yeah, it i'm saying it as say i feel it because it's hard yeah. it's making me cry i mean no. i'm in tears here just talking about oh. it yeah you know, i mean um, I, th- I think if i if i can step in yes. as like a you know i i haven't had that experience but um for me what you're describing is is a trauma you know it's a traumatic experience it's a trauma that you've been put through which has been put a on you do you know what I mean and yeah. and I think yeah. lots of people can relate for their own stories and you know certainly my story is about you know something happens to you um and your world changes your life changes forever you know and it's like well those, those feelings of shame those feelings of guilt those feelings of why me you know those feelings of like nothing's ever going to be the same again um, and this is the work that we're doing and that's why it's so important and that we support each other and that's what's so amazing about the communities that we have because you know no matter who you're looking at you can say okay I I understand and it's okay to feel all these feelings and you know to feel upset and angry and frustrated but we can work through them you know and, and how we work through them is through self-compassion like mm. I the only thing I can change is today. You know, the only thing I can do anything with is 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 right now and the future. You know, and keep trying to support myself and everyone else as as best as best we can. So, oh, my heart. <laughs> I know. But I think there's so. But this is why you know, as 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 parents or as mothers, you know, and we've got. I'm sure you've got in your community, and we have in our community. There's a lot of women that have um had difficulties with their kids you know and yeah. for whatever yeah. reason and you know I, I even look and you can turn that around again and it's like that's another thing that we hold it's like well what me as that sort of dysfunctional child you know um sort of off the rails at 13 14 taking drugs you know being out with the boys, never coming home, shouting at my parents, telling them to fuck off, all that, you know, like, what did I do to my parents? So that's another, you know, flip it around. That's another yeah. way of, like, guilting myself. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. either we can, you know, keep turning around in that space of kind of guilt and and um, self-shaming and, um, you know, that's what I did with alcohol was to... to you know self-flagellate is like Mm. you know I'm a bad person and I've done bad things and so I don't deserve to be happy and I don't deserve to be well um you know and so acceptance isn't it I think part of that grieving process is then you move through to 100 that that acceptance and once you you just go actually I'm here that's easier like I feel like that's I, I've got to that point definitely and that, it's just well then the we deal with what is every day what what is yeah, and, if- and and essentially you know if you're going to be philosophical about it that's all we have anyway it's just we think we kind of have it all 
you know in control and we we kind of only just have that day anyway don't we so um it's yeah just, and if um, you look at the yeah. the work of um of boris Chirilic, i think his name yeah, is um, the one i can't yeah. pronounce yeah yeah that's a french <laughs> um psychotherapist that you know termed this resilience term you know he indicated sort of seven phases of resilience and, and part of that is you know the the understanding and the recognition of how you feel about it and then the process of working through it you know and then coming out of the other side and being able to to heal you know that's all part part of it and you know no one says it's going to happen in a day especially when you're challenge, you're faced with that that challenge mm. every day you know and Absolutely. i mean i have so much respect for for both of you because it's incredibly tough you know it just mind-blowingly tough thanks yeah i don't know look i think that's another reason why i wanted up recovery buddha to be a group for women where women can come together and share this stuff and cry together and support each other and because i really think it's through connection that we heal because we just we it, it, all this stuff is so isolating addiction is isolating um our families can be isolating at times our situation with having neurodiverse kids is isolating mm. and as much as you know some may say oh they understand and they get it, it it's it's yeah it, it's tough it's it's hard but yeah i don't know what i'm trying to say here <laughs> no you were saying no, about um, the recovery buddha and the con the connection yeah. and that, that you know yeah. it's so right it is and you're so right because it's just the it's that me too isn't it it's that 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 feeling of oh yeah okay i, I you know we're just walking a similar similar paths and similar you know, uh, and, and then that. you don't feel like such a fuck up. Like you yeah. know, you think, "Oh, and I'm not the only one." <laughs> yeah, you know, it's okay yeah, to 100%. get angry. It's like, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, and I think that's you know, in, um, in the, the the most simple sense with motherhood in general, you know, it's like even if you're not adding in all those incredibly difficult challenges with a, a child with with um, extra needs. You know, it's that thing of like, why did I shout at my kid? Like, am I going to be a good mom? Like, why did I do the things I did? Like, oh my, you know, there's so much of that anyway. And the out exterior perceptions of, you know, mm. having a job, being, you know, we were the talking shirts. about burnout before. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, geez, there's so much pressure on women mm. and, you know, men too. But um, <laughs> I love the way you are, men. men, yeah, but but really, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing is, men, men aren't shamed like women no. are shamed for things. So we tend to internalize it so much, um, and that, that stuff has to stop. So I, you know, I'm a really strong advocate for for us empowering ourselves as much as we can and using all the tools that we can to. Uh, excuse me to to be resilient in these situations and to, to grow and to grow with each other mm. so i've just found the um the it's actually eight cycles of resilience so the beginning is defense protection the second is the stability in the face of tensions the third is the commitment to conquer the fourth is the recovery 
The fifth is the evaluation. The sixth is the evaluation of meaning. The seventh, the self-positivity. And eighth is the creation. So it's, you know, it's a big process. Um, Does that know, make I'm, I'm sense that. to you, um, uh, Peg? Because you're a psychologist, you're a clinical psychologist. I don't think we've mentioned that. And so, yeah. yeah, yeah. It does. It's kind of like a, I think, um, a throwing down of the tower and a rebuilding almost. It's mm. it's like through that adversity, it's bouncing, it's the ability to bounce back and the processes that, that happen along that journey. And this is a journey and mm. it's a journey that, don't have to take on our own and this is why um being around and, I, and this is why another reason obviously why I, I want to do more I'm just really passionate about that but I also really believe in the power of women coming together to heal I think there is something so sacred about that mm. um, that. I don't think women get the opportunity to do that enough. I really yeah. don't. True. Mm. And that's something we, we're really, you know, we're doing some events, aren't we, Mandy? And, and make the yeah. women only. Um, and I, I just feel that as well. Like I, I, I want there to be something for everyone, but I know definitely sort of what, where I sit is that it is the female experience. Um mm. That's sort of where I feel I where I want to be, you know, in terms of these conversations, I guess. Uh, and I, I think, think uh, to have these conversations with just women too, because yeah. there are some things that maybe won't get spoken about if yeah. we're in a co-ed group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel. Well, the same. I think, um, like Mama Dawn, uh, Dawn from She Recovers, which you know, obviously, is a, a common. Uh, experience of ours and something that's very special to all of us and our relationship with Dawn um, I think she's sort of she put it that she you know because she's a very deep thinking woman you know she's she asks herself that question you know about making it woman only and and how mm. does she feel about that and she said you know as this as the generally generally the core center of the family unit you know, the mother, the woman needs to be healed first in order to heal others. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially, I guess, where where that comes from. It's not the experience for everyone, you know, um, of course. Um, and and there is, as you say, that that thing of being able to talk openly in a way that you wouldn't um, if it was a mixed group. Yeah. And well, I noticed it because to start with, when we set up Recovery Buddha, it was it was a mixed group and it was a mixed group probably for about two or three months. I'm sure there's some people that can put me right if that's wrong. Um, but then and but then as soon as we changed it to all women, it just grew exponentially more mm. than I ever would have imagined. And look, it's um it's helped me and it's helped me stay accountable to myself, my sobriety and other things. And, um, I'm so grateful. And I love the woman, women on that group as I love you girls. And it's like, we're all just one big family. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and she recovers, brings us all together. And 
it's I'm, my best friends live in my computer. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. It just means I have to do lots of traveling now. <laughs> absolutely. What what is their setup? Because uh, you're in Sydney, and we've got quite a, a few Australian women in our Love Sober group. So, I mean, are there things that they that are set up that Do people you know can what? get involved in? Australia, there isn't a lot. We have a recovery walk in Sydney once a year that is run with Sydney Recovery, and a girlfriend of mine, Jessica, uh, runs that with Les. Um, and that's also run through the Exodus Foundation with the support of them and with Reverend Bill Cruz, who's amazing. Um, but there isn't a lot. Even in Sydney, there's only one refuge recovery meeting in Australia that I've been able to find, and that's in Melbourne, um, which is in another state. Uh, there are AA and NA meetings, CODIS, lots of different meetings. However, um, there's... There's not a lot of women's groups, a few, um, to do with 12 steps, um, but we need more. And mm. it, it's, I, I hope that we see that in Australia more because we're a big drinking country. Everything revolves around alcohol, probably pretty similar to the UK. Mm. Um, but... I don't know. There, I haven't seen much around, to be totally honest. A lot of the the recovery movement I have seen has come out of the States and Canada, mm. uh, and I see that with the work that you girls are doing, which is phenomenal, that it's growing in the UK. But there's not a lot here. Mm, there's okay. still not a lot here. So it's quite a new ground for growth. Yeah, the new um, frontiers. It is a new frontier and, mm. I don't know, the, so, the social justice aspect in me and the feminist part of me just wants to stand on a mountaintop and scream, we've got to change things. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, I'm not quite sure how to go about that or what to do or logistics or anything, but I, I don't know, I just want people to have a voice and for there to be a lot more opportunities for recovery and to release the shame of mm -hmm. addiction and things like that here. Mm. Um, I should say we're going to have contemplative sort of pause there, yeah. aren't we? I'm just thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, the pause. <laughs> yeah, the power of the pause. Well, I mean, I'm just, I've got suddenly got my work head on and thinking, oh, we've, co we've probably, you know, should wrap it up because we've come to about 50 minutes. Um, yeah. But I could actually, like, talk to you both all day would be my best day, just kind of yeah. sitting, having cups of tea. <laughs> so, you know, it is with regret to say yeah. that we probably should wrap it up shouldn't we um, so if people yeah. want to find you penny then uh, how's the best way to to get in touch with recovery recovery buddha yeah well recovery buddha is a closed group so you can ask to join and we'll just join sign you up join um and we mention everybody by name that comes into the group um karina 
and uh, Elizabeth and Brandy, who you also know, Mandy, um, mm -hmm. are also admins there. So between all of us, we get to you eventually, even if you've requested to join and we haven't been able to do it straight away. Please be patient with us. Life gets a bit crazy. But um, so there's that. And also, I guess um, I have a private Facebook page. I I do have a bit of a boundary in as much as I don't really have any guys on there. It's mostly women, um, which, which I prefer. So, um, yeah, so via Facebook or Messenger or... You can, You're on Instagram you know, as well, right? Yes, Instagram as well, uh-huh. Yeah, and there's a blog, but I'm revamping a few bits and pieces there. So mm. we'll see, and there will be a Recovery Buddha website out soon. <laughs> yeah, you're saying that was exciting. You're doing a redesign of that. and Yeah, it's yeah. exciting because I really want to set it up as a not-for-profit so that we can somehow sponsor women to be able to go to events like She mm, Recovers. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so what's your, um, we always finish with, oh, go on, sorry. Yes. No, I was just going to say I love you both so much. I don't want to oh, say goodbye. We love you. No. Well, what's your, we always finish off by um, asking what the tip of the day is and what's your reason to love sober. So firstly, what's your tip of the day? Wow, okay. Make the ordinary extraordinary. Oh, and nice. I think we can do that through mindfulness and through just pausing and just noticing and being curious about our environment. Mm. Um, go for a little mindfulness walk, um, take your shoes off, ground yourself, feel the ground beneath your feet. Um, I guess that would be my little tip of the day. I, oh, found I love that. Mm, I do. I found mindfulness was just the best thing in the world, especially in early sobriety. I really just looking at the colours and the textures and how using all of your senses, what it looks like, smells like, feels like, tastes like if you game, um, <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever kind of, if, what sounds you can hear, can you hear the, you know, the rustling of the leaves or whatever, but um, yeah. Mm, I love and that your reason so. to love sober. Ah. Oh love sober wow I guess now I get the ability to show up every day and be present for whatever it is that the day brings and I try not to judge that as good or bad whatever comes in that day mm -hmm. I just kind of just move try and move through my days with a degree of um compassion for the self and others and um just mindfulness mm -hmm. i guess again coming back to that and mm. yeah yeah just being present just really trying to be present i can be present for my kids i instead of i have to go to work i'm like i get to go to work mm. and that feels, feels so much better mm. so i be able to come home to my kids and i I get to struggle to wash hair. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Um, you just reminded me, like, because, you know, there is that sort of the mantra that got us all through, like, some of the early days, which was this two shall pass, right? And then I read um, a mantra the other day, which really touched me. I put it on Instagram and it just said this too. And it was like, yes. this too. 
like whatever it is and I love that it's like okay that that leaves me open to what is arising that's powerful you know so anyway yeah Yeah. it just reminded me of that about showing up yeah I love that that's beautiful okay thank you so much yeah Yeah, thank you Penny yeah I really appreciate you coming on I feel um yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like we're thousands of miles away across, literally across the other side of the globe. It's amazing. It doesn't feel like that at all. Mm. It's just beautiful. Thank yeah. you so, so much. This yeah, has just no. been an absolute It's made my day. Yeah. <laughs> Us too. So if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, just remember to reach out, um, agencies of local support, um, any of those you know we were talking we were recovery groups online so there's recovery buddha she recovers soberistas there's uh, um the us at love sober uh club soda there's just you know it's growing and growing all the time so you're not alone and you know what we're saying about today about just kind of doing away with the shame reaching out getting help um there's also um, in the UK alcohol change, which um, can give you agencies of local support as well um, that, that could, you know, that you could reach out to. So lots of love. We'll see you next week. Stay safe, everyone. I'll see you next week for more chat. Bye.